0: Welcome to the Victory Orlando podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. Well, what's up, Victory? Thank you so much for joining us here at Church Online today. My name is Pastor Chris. I'm the pastor here at Victory. I want to say welcome today. So many great things going on. God is moving in big ways. And I want to tell you about a few of them. This coming Saturday, May 29th, is our next food box distribution. And I want to invite you to come out and be a part of helping us to feed families and be a blessing to those here in our community. We'll be meeting this Saturday at our team center at 12 noon and then going out at 1.30 to distribute the boxes. So come, come be a part of either one of those it will be a blessing. And as we head into the summer, it's the summer of victory, baby. You know what I mean? It's going to be an awesome summer, and we're believing it's going to be the best one yet. So many great things coming up. Uh, A special guest speaker that we have coming up. I want you to put this date on your calendar. Sunday, June 27th. Pastor Devin Webb is going to be here all the way from Nashville, Tennessee. He's one of our overseers here at Victory, and I cannot wait for you to hear the message he's gonna share with us on that day. You need to be here whatever it takes, June 27th. It's gonna be an awesome Sunday with Pastor Devin Webb. And then of course, you just saw the promo video for At The Movies coming up every Sunday in July. This is a series that we do every year where we take redemptive movies and we teach biblical truths through the movies. It's an amazing time. Everything is decorated. There's popcorn and drinks and snacks and and costume characters to take pictures with the kids and of course a powerful and moving message that's going to be an amazing opportunity to invite your friends to come to church. You're not going to want to miss a single week in July because of at the movie. So I'm telling you now, put it on your calendar. It's going to Be awesome. Today, in case you didn't know, is Pentecost Sunday. It's the celebration of what God did over 2,000 years ago with just 120 disciples of Jesus. They were assembled together in what we call the upper room. It was an upstairs room in a building in the city of Jerusalem. And God poured out the Holy Spirit that day and created a moment where history was changed forever. There's a clear distinction of before that day and after that day in the life of the disciples of Jesus. Today we're joined with millions of other Christians celebrating what God did and giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 tells us what happened. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, so there we see Pentecost isn't something weird or anything, it's just actually a day, it was an event, a, a Jewish celebration. Uh, The Jews had many celebrations and uh, a, a few major ones, much like what we have today, where we have lots of holidays, but then a few major ones. Easter, the 4th of July, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. And here is the reference to their celebration, the day of Pentecost. And they were together in one place. And suddenly a sound, like a blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting, and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. I love that detail right there. It was for each one of them. It was an individual experience, not just a corporate experience, but the filling of the Holy Spirit, the power of God, was for them personally. God wants to fill you personally with his power and with his Holy Spirit. All of them. Everybody say, all of them all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So we have these disciples, 120 of them, they believe in Jesus. They're saved. They've been called. In other words, they've been given an assignment by Jesus to go and spread the gospel. But apparently, they hadn't been equipped. They haven't been given all that they needed to be effective in completing their assignment. Before the Holy Spirit, the disciples were weak. They were afraid. They were known to be hiding behind locked doors in, in rooms together, scared of what would happen to them. But then they were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in tongues. They, In other words, they were equipped with the power of God, and then they were bold. They were courageous, even to the point of being mocked and, and tortured and killed simply for their faith in Him. Jesus, come on. It's being filled with the Holy Spirit that equips us to be effective in whatever God has called us to do. Whatever the field that God has called you into to be an influence for his kingdom, we need to be equipped with the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on. And I just want to take a moment. We're going to pray before we get in the message today, but I want to pray for the, the the, the Jewish people, for the city of Israel, and for the people in Palestine. Lord, we just come before you right now. I thank you for the, the people, the Jewish people in Jerusalem. We pray for peace in that land, peace in the land of Israel. We pray your protection over the Jewish people, over the Palestinian people, Lord God, that there would be peace in that place, that the families and boys and girls and children will be protected and safe, Lord God. I thank you that your blessing would be on your people. God, I ask that you speak to us today, Lord God, that your word would come alive inside of us. Lord God, let it grow and take root inside of us because we are good ground. And if you agree, let me hear you shout, amen. Well, today the word of the Lord is vision checkup. Come on, we're here for a checkup for our vision. We're in a series called Perspective. Perspective is what we see, the the framework, the, the point of view that we have on everything that we experience and go through. What we're doing in this series is studying a book of the Bible called Philippians. It was written by the Apostle Paul to a church in a city named Philippi. And as we've learned the last two weeks, Paul is writing this letter, this book, to the church while he's in a Roman prison waiting to find out if he will be executed or not. Our perspective on things is influenced by the choices we make, by the things we think about, and today I want to add another piece to the puzzle. If you missed the first two weeks, it's available on our YouTube channel. Our perspective is influenced by the things that we can see. Today, I believe, is the perfect time for a vision checkup. Look at someone sitting near you today and say it's time for a checkup from the neck (laughs) up. That's right. I think we could even say it this way. The things we've experienced in life help to determine what we C. Now, as a kid growing up, I loved playing soccer. Now, some of you might call soccer football, and that's fine, too. Whether you call it soccer or football, I loved playing the game. It was awesome, just running around, kicking the ball. I was a midfielder most of my uh, soccer career. I was really fast. I worked hard on the team. I, I wasn't the most talented or the most skilled, like like Messi or those kind of guys. But I would work hard. I would run hard, and I, I would did my best to be a great teammate, help my team to win. I remember my freshman year of high school, being on the varsity team, and. Uh, moment that I'm not super proud of it. We were playing a game, I was in the midfield, and I was running up the field with my teammates, and the ball was passed right in front of me to the net so that I could shoot and hopefully make the goal. And so I'm running up there, I got my left foot ready to hit that ball into the net and, and trick the goalie out. And so I come running up there and I whoo, swing as hard as I could, and do you know what? That perfect shot on goal, I totally missed the ball swung and the ball just rolled right past me and I didn't make the shot the ball didn't go in and just rolled out of bounds I fell to the ground completely embarrassed and just upset that I missed taking the shot on goal and helping my team to win after the game uh, my mom didn't say much but she just got me put me in the car drove me straight to the eye doctor (laughs) that day I you know had a vision checkup and I got glasses and contacts that day. I didn't realize what I was missing out on and how blurry things were for me. But from that day forward, wearing my contacts and my glasses, you know what? I didn't miss any more shots or any more passes that came my way. Because I had never experienced clear vision from glasses or contacts, I, didn't, I couldn't realize my need for them. But at the eye doctor that day, I saw something I had never seen before. I saw clearly. See, when we have a change of perspective, we tend to see something we didn't see before. Why? Because our vision has changed. I believe there's a vision checkup God wants to give us today so that we can begin to see some things we couldn't see before. There's a story in 2 Kings chapter 6, the king of Aram is fighting against the nation of Israel, trying to destroy them. He would make his battle plans to attack, but then God would speak those plans to the prophet Elisha, who would then go warn the king of Israel, tell him what the plans were, and the attack would fail. This happened multiple times, so many times, that the king of Aram suspected uh, a spy in his military leaders, accused them of selling secrets to Israel, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, the military leaders were like, no, king, it wasn't us. It's actually the Lord speaking to the prophet Elijah. And so the king sent people to capture Elisha to keep him from telling them the secrets. We can pick up the story, Second Kings chapter 6, verse 14. Then he, that's the king of Aram, sent horses, chariots, and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. Now, I believe this is a picture of how our spiritual enemy, the devil, works. He loves to rush in, send all kinds of craziness, acting all big and bad, coming in with, in, in the night. I believe the devil loves to try to come in in a moment and overwhelm people with all kinds of craziness. But says, story, when the servant of the man of God got up in the morning, went out early, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Can you imagine walking outside in the morning? You know, like and everywhere around you there's chariots and army and soldiers all for the sole purpose of coming after you. He was freaking out. Maybe you felt like that in your life before. Not a literal army, you know, but everything is fine. And then the next day things are crazy. Everything is uncertain or falling apart. What are we going to do now? I love how Elisha responds. He says, don't be afraid. See, the spirit of fear wants to rush in and change what we're able to see. Fear wants to blur and distort and cloud a person's ability to see what is true and what is real. Now, Elisha looks at a servant who is freaking out. And he says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, can you imagine the servant when he said that? Be like, (laughs) Elisha, can you see What's out there? There is two of us and all of them. What are you talking about? And Elisha prayed, "Open his eyes, Lord, that he may see." Now I don't believe that the servant was standing there like that. No, he probably had his eyes open, but he wasn't talking about these physical eyes. He was he was trying to help him see beyond just the obstacle he was facing. It says, "Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked." And he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire, the armies of heaven all around Elisha. Come on, that is awesome. I believe that's the kind of moment that God brought you here to church online for today. He wants to open your eyes so you can see the good that he has for you, so you can see the miracles that are headed your way, so you can see his provision and his protection that is literally surrounding you. He wants you to be able to see that everything is not terrible, that maybe it's not the ideal situation, but he has breakthrough coming your way. I know it feels like everything has fallen apart and there's no answer in sight, but God wants to open your eyes today so that you can see that there are more with you than any force of hell, than any problem coming against you. Come on. It's a change of perspective, a new vision that God wants to give you today. Man, and if anybody knew what a change in vision does in a person's life, it was Paul, he had the experience, uh, his life was that of being known of highly spiritual, of having it all together. And while he was in that place, he could not see clearly the goodness of God, and it caused him to be so full of hate that he was known for persecuting and killing Christians. That's what Saul was known for, or Paul. Uh, But then on the road to Damascus, Jesus appeared to Paul, and the light in that moment when Jesus appeared to him was so bright that it actually blinded him, he couldn't see, Paul was escorted into the city and he was there uh, alone for days praying. But then God sent a man, Ananias, and he came and he prayed for Paul. And scripture says that when he prayed for him, something like scales fell from Paul's eyes and he could see again. It was that moment, a vision checkup for Paul. It was a change of perspective because from that moment on, everything was different. He spent his life gave everything to spread the gospel of Jesus around the world. See, that's what a vision checkup does is it changes the direction of our lives because we see something we couldn't see before. That's why in Philippians chapter 3, I believe Paul is giving us a vision checkup. What are we seeing? What are we focused on. We need a change of perspective in what we see. If you have your Bibles or the Free You Version Bible app, turn with me to Philippians chapter 3 verse 1. Now, I don't know about you guys. I hope this series, these messages have been helpful to you, but I'm preaching these to myself because of all that I'm going through right now. Like, I'm trusting God that my perspective is changing, that today we're having a vision check up. Paul writes, Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Let me give you a little backstory to help you understand what was going on as Paul is writing this. When Jesus came and died and rose from the dead, the first century believers were taking the message of gospel and spreading it around the world. In fact, as you read Acts chapter 1 through 7, you can see how they took the message of the gospel to the Jews First, they took the message uh, to the gospel, then to the Samaritans, so Jews and then Samaritans. Now, a Samaritan was a person who was kind of half-Jewish, half-Gentile. And so it was kind of like acceptable, unacceptable, kind of questionable. Can you really share the gospel of Jesus with someone who's not fully a Jew? They're only half-Jew. Okay, yes, they can. They kind of are Jewish. And so they did. But then by Acts chapter 10... There were some who were taking the gospel not to Jews and not to gen, not to Samaritans, but to the Gentiles, people who weren't Jewish in any way. And all of a sudden, the strict Jewish Christian leaders were like, "No, no, no! Gentiles uh, cannot just become Christians. They have to first become." Jewish and follow Jewish law before they can become a Christian, a follower of Christ. And this is a big argument that was going on, uh, and it was centered around this whole thing about being circumcised. They said you have to be circumcised in order to be a Christian. Now, imagine that kind of altar call at the end of this service today. Anybody wants to receive Jesus, man, you're getting circumcised. That would be crazy. And so there's all this tension going on and can a Gentile become a Christian or do you have to follow Jewish laws and be circumcised? So they got together in this big debate. You can read it in Acts chapter 15 and it was known as the Jerusalem Conference where they ironed out all these details. And they finally determined you don't have to become Jewish and become circumcised to become a Christian. Praise the Lord. And when when they made that decision, it set Paul and others free to take the message of the gospel to people everywhere all around the world. And what Paul would do is he would go to cities like Philippi and he would go in and say, all you need is Christ to be right with God. And people would believe in Jesus. They would. Uh, Paul would start the church there. He would teach them about Jesus and how to live a godly life and live righteous. Then he would raise up a pastor and a leader, leave them in charge of that church, move on to another city, and start that whole process over again. But there was another group of people that would follow Paul into the city. They were known as Judaizers. They would insist that if you received Christ, you had to be circumcised and follow Jewish rules. And because of what Paul had experienced and what he knew... He saw some dangers that others didn't see. So today I want to give us a vision checkup that Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3. Three things that he says be on the lookout for, and then three things to help us refocus and change our vision onto where God is leading us. Here's the first one if you're taking notes. I hope you write these down. If there was a danger that most people didn't see and Paul was warning us about, it was the mindset of legalism. the mindset of legalism says I'm going to be made right with God by what I can do or what I can not do by this set of rules that's thinking what can I do to earn righteousness and just to state it clearly there is nothing we can do to earn righteousness Righteousness is a free gift of God. We are made righteous by our faith in Jesus as our Savior because of His death and resurrection. Let me show you in Scripture, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Come on, let's give God some praise for the free gift of salvation. And then, this is what Paul writes in verse 2 about legalism. He says, watch out for those dogs. If you're a dog person, maybe he's saying, watch out for those cats. If you're a cat person, maybe he's talking about something a little more gross than a dog or a cat like a snake or a spider. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, who, those mutilators of the flesh. In other words, those who want to earn righteousness by what we can do in this natural life for it is we who are the circumcision we who serve God by his spirit who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. In other words he's saying we are those who have been brought into right relationship as a son or a daughter of God because of our faith in Christ not from anything we can do for God or any rule we can keep. Paul then says but If uh, I have reasons, for such confidence. He's, he's like basically saying, here's my religious res- resume. If anybody wants to compare uh, who has a right to say if you've earned righteousness or not, I-, I probably do. He says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I'm circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, Hebrew of the Hebrews, in regards to the law, Pharisee. As for zeal, per- per- persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. In other words, Paul was saying, look, I was born in the right group. I'm in the elite of the elite. I obeyed more laws and rules than you can count. I got it all right. And yet, I was still coming up short. See, this legalistic mindset wants to bring people to the place where we define our righteousness by what we do or by what we don't do. Now, here's the flip side of our vision checkup. There are things that want to rob our vision, but I believe God wants our vision to increase, to become clearer and more Focus, so that you'll be like Moses. It says that Moses, in his old age, his vision didn't diminish. I believe that naturally and spiritually. So Paul, he gives us three things that will bring clarity and definition to our vision. So if a spirit of legalism wants to cloud our vision, we can see more clearly when we understand that God can redeem our yesterdays. God is in the business of bringing dead things to life. He's all about restoring what has been broken or lost. I believe it's one of God's specialties. That's why I always say it's never too far. It's never too late with God. It only takes one moment, one step to say, God, I can't do this without you. I give you all my life. And in a moment, a miracle takes place. Think about Paul. He was a Christian killer. That's what he specialized in, traveling to cities to beat and persecute and kill Christians and yet God used him to teach you and me about it. it's not what we do it's about faith in Christ and write two-thirds of the New Testament Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 in him that's Jesus we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace then again in 2nd Corinthians five sixteen and 17 Paul writes so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view Hey, there's the vision change, a new perspective on how we see others and how we see ourselves. It's not just about this life. He says, though, once we've regarded Christ in this way, we thought he was just a person, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they put their faith in Christ, the new creation has come. Your spirit comes to life. The old is gone. The new is here. Come on, give God some praise if he's made you new today. Here's the next obstacle to our vision. Worldly distractions. Don't let the things of this world distract you, whether it's accomplishments or accumulations, hobbies, careers, whatever. I don't know about you, but we live in a world where it is so easy to be distracted by everything and all the things that don't really matter. I and mean, their distractions are everywhere you know as you're driving down the road there's billboards and signs and this and that I mean, we carry around these little things called distraction devices that we pay all this money to have you know uh, smartphones are also called <laughs> <laughs> smartphones are great I love having it. it can do so many amazing things but if we don't apply healthy boundaries to them, man, that thing is buzzing all the time, right? I wonder what's new out there. Uh, I wonder what so-and-so is doing. Did you check this email? Did you check this check message? Did you post on social media? Blah, blah, blah. Like So many distractions. So many people are going through life missing the greatest moments they could have with God and the people around them because they're distracted by things that don't really matter. And essentially, this is what Paul is saying but in a much stronger way in verse 7. He says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever was important in this world doesn't really matter. It's a loss. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. Uh, This is a drastic statement, pretty strong. He's saying nothing in this world matters except for knowing Christ. He says everything else is a distraction, trying to pull me away, and then he gets even stronger in his language. I consider everything garbage. Everybody say garbage. All right, that's good. But say it one more time with an extra little stink in it, like ah, oh, garbage. You know. <laughs> in other words, Paul is saying everything that I thought was important in this earth, it's not important. So if distractions want to cloud our vision, we can see more clearly when we understand that God has purpose for our todays. Paul continues, he says, everything is garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. This is a beautiful passage of scripture. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Can I tell you, God made you on purpose. Make no mistake, the first and foremost purpose for your life is to know God in a real and personal way. Paul says, I want to know Christ. I wanna know his sufferings and his victories. So that I will never lose sight of the power in me that causes me to be a son or a daughter of God. And once you know God for yourself, you have a relationship with him, God does something amazing. He reveals another layer of your purpose. That you would allow your life in whatever arena you're in to shine the light and the love of Jesus. So others would be able to know God too. That's why you have specific talents and, and gifts and abilities and a unique Calling from God on your life. If you don't know what that is, man, we'd love to help you to begin to discover that in your life. You can find out how to be evolved. Get out your phone right now. Text Victory Next Steps. That's all one word Victory Next Steps to 94000. Someone on our team will help you get started in that process of discovering what it is God has called you to do. We studied it last week when Jesus said, The most important thing in this life is to love God fully and to love people. That's why Paul's warning us, hey, don't get so easily distracted in this life by everything that's available. I would even say it this way. Listen, God made me for a purpose. How dare I waste my life in pursuit of something else? Here's the, the last part of our vision checkup today. Things that want to cloud our vision, satisfaction. I, I would even call it spiritual complacency. Here's what I mean. We, we should be satisfied with what we have in this life but we should never be satisfied with what we've done for the glory of God. We should be content with the material possessions, what we have, but we should never be content with using our gifts to bring glory to the one who made us and gave us everything. I believe it's one of the most dangerous things in the church today is spiritual complacency. It's people who are spiritually complacent in their marriage and their relationships. They don't care. It's fine. They're raising spiritually complacent kids and being more concerned about their performance on the sports field or their involvement in a play or, or whatever it is than they are about the spiritual development and foundation for their kids. It's being spiritually complacent in our giving, consuming more and more, and not even giving a tithe for the glory of God. It's It's being spiritually flat and not carrying because we're not satisfied with the house that we have, or the car, or the job, or the size of our bank account, or whatever. And from a prison, from house arrest, waiting possible execution, Paul is saying, hey, guys, watch out. Don't become spiritually complacent. Verse 12, not that I've already obtained all this, or I have arrived at my goal, but I Press on. I, I, I'm not setting back, oh, I've done enough. No, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do I forget what is behind and I strain, I work, I press towards what is ahead, pressed on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. It's like Paul is saying, I want to make my life not about the million and one things that are available for me on this earth. Uh, I'm not going to sit back and think I've done enough or uh, I've done too much or I'm just burnt out. No, my life is about the one thing that I was made to do, and that's knowing God in a real and personal way and helping others to know him too. I've seen the faithfulness of God enough that when I was beaten and left for dead, I'm not going to sit back. I've seen the faithfulness of God come through when people betrayed and hurt me. I've seen the faithfulness of God in every situation. Here's the deal. You can lock me up, but you can't shut me up. I'm going to... Press on. I'm continuing. I'm never giving up. Uh, As long as I've got a pen in my hand and a paper before me, I can preach the gospel. As long as I've got breath in my lungs, I'm going to speak of the faithfulness and the goodness of God. You can lock me up to an imperial Roman guard and put me in a house of rest, put me in a dungeon. But guess what? One by one, I'm going to lead every one of those guards to Christ because when you've experienced what I've experienced, when you've seen what I've seen, you can't be still. You can't be satisfied. You can't be silent uh, 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 with what you have. I'm pressing on. I'm never giving up. Paul was laser focused on reaching his goal. That with everything going on around him, everything happening to him, Paul could still see his divine purpose because he had allowed God to give him fresh vision. So if spiritual complacency wants to cloud our vision, then we can see more clearly when we understand that God has plans for our tomorrows. Verse 20, but our citizenship where we belong is heaven. In other words, everything in this life is not all about this life. Life on this earth is about what we do for God and how we impact the lives of others with God's love. Let me say that one more time. Life on this earth is not about what we do or can accomplish, but life on this earth is about what we do for God and how we impact the lives of others with God's love. So what do we do? How do we live that way? He says, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. What we do now in this life affects eternity, where we really belong. The truth is, what we believe about eternity determines how we live today. But regardless of what you believe, you will exist eternally somewhere. Your physical body will cease to exist at some point, but your spirit will continue to live on either in heaven forever with God your Father or separated from Him in hell forever and that is based upon the decision each person makes on this earth whether to receive jesus as their savior or reject him one day your heart will beat for the last time and at that point there are no do-overs there are no second chances that's why in my life, and what Paul is teaching us, is we fight to keep eternity at the forefront of our lives, that everything in this life is not all about this life. Our goal is to be pleasing to God, that whatever we're going through, we we press on, we press forward, Like uh, uh, like everything in this world is not as important as eternity. Whatever it is, the sports, the degree, the job, the promotion, more money, the the perfect relationship, popularity, more likes, whatever it is, we're going to cut the roots of those things from this world off of our life, those things that do not last and do not matter. And instead, we're going to allow the Spirit of God to move in us, to recalibrate our heart and our mind and our, our vision, everything in our lives. We have one goal, that while we're passing through this life, and everything we do is to be pleasing to God. Come on, wherever you are, let's begin today. Father, I thank you right now that you're moving in us today. God, more than anything else, we want to know you, Lord God, in your sacrifice and your sufferings, and we want to know you in your victories. God, everything else, nothing else matters as much as knowing you. Maybe you're the one right now where you've You've been distracted, all these things pulling you aside. You you haven't even been able to see the goodness of God and today you recognize I need a vision checkup. I need God to help me to see like he helped Paul to see and help like he helped Elisha's servant to see beyond just the problems to the answer that God has for you. If that's you, you need that vision checkup. You need God to open your eyes today to see the miracles and the breakthrough that he has for you. I believe this is the moment. If that's you, just right now, just close your eyes and just lift up your hands and allow God to minister to you right now. Father, I thank you right now, just like you did before. You're gonna do it again, Lord God, that you're opening our eyes to see that there is more with us than there is against us, that there is more of the force of heaven but it moving in our behalf than there is forces of hell trying to break us down. So Lord, I thank you right now for giving us vision to see beyond the problems, vision to see beyond all the obstacles, Lord God. But there is breakthrough. There is miracles coming our way that when it looks like it's not happening, that we are actually surrounded by you. That greater is he that is in us than he that's in this world. So I speak faith into you right now. I speak faith courage and boldness inside of you right now. Yes, some of us just need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If that's you, you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, just like the the disciples were in that upper room right now. Just, Just tell them, say, Father, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Spirit right now with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Lord, I thank you right now. You're filling your people with the power of the Holy Spirit. And if that's you right now, just begin to open your mouth and let those words come out. You might not understand it. It might sound a little bit funny, but just let them start flowing out of you and let the gifts of the Spirit move outside of you. And even when you don't know what to pray, Scripture teaches us the Holy Spirit prays for us when we pray in the Spirit language. Father, I thank you right now for an outpouring of your Spirit, just like in Acts. Lord God, that we would be emboldened by your Spirit. We would be full of courage because of the power of the Holy Spirit, and we would see great things in the days ahead. I want to pray for another group of people today. You're the one you recognize you don't know God at all. You might know some facts. You you know the Sunday school stories about Jesus and maybe David and Goliath and the lion's Then You've heard the story of the cross and all that. You know some things about Jesus. But if you are really honest, you don't know him for yourself. And that's why you're here today. See, there's nothing you need to do to earn God's love. You don't need to try to be a better person so that God would accept you. God already loves you. That's why he sent Jesus, so that he could offer you a free gift of salvation and forgiveness. He freely gave his life to pay for your sins, past, present, and future. And all he asks in return is that you give your life There are those of you today who are ready to confess your sins to God and call on Jesus as your Savior. Whether you need to do it for the first time, maybe you just need to come back today. Uh, You've known God, but you've just gone away from Him today. If you're ready to say yes and surrender your life to Jesus and come back to Him, and you want to be included in this prayer, you can click to raise your hand in the chat or simply type the name Jesus wherever you're watching today but wherever you are, can we pray out loud all together so no one is praying alone? Would you repeat this prayer after me? Heavenly Father, forgive me of all of my sins. I believe Jesus died for me and was raised from the dead. Today I give you my life. Fill me with your spirit so that I could live for you. In Jesus' name, amen if you just prayed that prayer then right there just like the Bible says a miracle took place all the old is gone there is new you are made brand new you are a son you are a daughter of God so welcome to the family and I would love to have the privilege to pray with you and just encourage you help you take some next steps in your faith Man, would you send me an email, info at victoryorlando.com, or just send me a direct message on whatever platform you're watching today. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church Online. I can't wait to see you again right here next week.